0: boasting in the Lord Jesus Christ your evident love for Jesus is genuine and real and it has affected us where we will leave here we could stop now and leave here and fly back home and love Jesus more because we've been with you so so thank you thank you for your love for Christ you can you can open your Bibles to first Corinthians chapter 14 um, as you know, last night I preached in Dave's clothes, and we voted. I think it was unanimous a unanimous vote that I look better than Dave, and he he sort of came back at that this morning, as you well know, and said that I now know look what I look like at 83 years old, and uh, I responded to that by saying, you know what, I think I'm going to look better than you at 83, and... Mentioned the FaceApp thing. So when the FaceApp thing was mentioned, this church kicked into service. (laughs) Can I take your picture? Can I take your picture? Can I take your picture? So, guess what we have? (laughs) Okay, we're not we're not going to vote tonight. We're not going to do it. <laughs> I don't know, Dave. Actually, Dave, when you picked us up at like 6 a.m., you kind of looked at it like that the other day. Right? <laughs> yes, that will be a retreat memory right there, won't it? That's right. Well, in this session tonight, I hope to just uh, serve you with some Biblically based thoughts For how to pursue and grow in the gifts of the spirit Which is the title of this short teaching Pursuing and growing in the gifts of the spirit And I want to keep it shorter Because we've been saying we, we want to do a and a tonight And Dave's going to lead through that If you've got questions, by the way, you can text those to Dave um, Either now or throughout this time or while we're doing the Q&A And again, if we don't get to one of your questions Just please talk with one of us, we would love to have conversations with you. We've all had really good conversations today. Your questions reveal a a real pursuit of the Spirit. Um, That's another way we've been impacted by you. So 1 Corinthians 14, we're just going to read those first five verses. Again, I'm going to spring from there and uh, offer you a few thoughts. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, I read those verses to you again because verse 1 has this language in it, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. It's language that tells us that our pursuit and our growth of the in the spiritual gifts, it requires our intentionality. It requires our pursuit. In fact, that language is similar to the language you actually find throughout the New Testament with regards to our pursuit and growing in the spiritual gifts. So let me just give you some New Testament text to tell you what I'm meaning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 39. So my brothers earnestly desire, he repeats it again, and when something's repeated, it's, it's intended to make a point. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid the speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, But earnestly desire the higher gifts. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, do not neglect the gift. Don't do that. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. That's Paul speaking to Timothy and 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 16 for this reason i remind you Timothy to fan into a flame the gift of god which is in you through the laying on of my hands so there's this repetitive language in the new testament earnestly desire do not neglect the gifts fan into flame that exhorts us to be intentional in pursuing and growing in our spiritual gifts in our lives And they're they're to be marked by a constant intentionality on our part. And I don't believe we ever arrive saying, we're at a place where we've got this down now. I know I haven't. Um, Over the last about four or five months of my life, recently, I I had just noticed that I I was not um, using the gift of prophecy. It's one of the gifts I believe the Lord's given me. Um, not like these folks are with me. They're more gifted than I am, and I I do mean that. But I just wasn't using the gift of prophecy. and it, It began to bother me, and I'm glad it did. And I just found myself wrestling with the Lord over it. And I think I'd just been distracted by a number of things, even walking into a Sunday service thinking about many things and not really praying intentionally for the Lord to be using me if that's what he wanted to do. And so I just began to repent of that quite frankly, and began to pray. And it was about um, three or four weeks ago, I actually went to the service, and I was praying for a prophetic impression. I didn't have one until we were singing, and a prophetic word came, and I went up to the, took it up to the mic, and one of my fellow elders, Andy Farmer, was there. I shared it with him. And um, I didn't, he didn't allow me to share it. I didn't share it with the church. And so I took, as we called it at Covenant Fellowship, the walk of shame back to my... <laughs> Back to my chair, right, and um, actually I got, I got, I got, I stood next, back into my chair, and Jill's right next to me, and she leans over and says, "Thanks for playing." <laughs> that's the way. That's one of the many ways my wife serves me, obviously. But even though I didn't share that word, I was, I was encouraged that I had, I had been willing to be used by the Lord. Amen. Um, but I don't believe I would have been there unless I was troubled somewhat or unsettled by the fact that I was not intentionally pursue the gifts. So it doesn't matter how, how long we've been following Christ. This is something that we all need to be doing in pursuing and growing in the spiritual gifts. So how, how do we do that? I'm just going to give you a few quick thoughts about how to pursue and grow in the spiritual gifts. Number one, Pursue God. Pursue God. We saw earlier today in First Corinthians 12 verses 4 through 6 where each member of the Trinity is mentioned that our Trinitarian God is the, the giver of the gifts and empowers the gifts. As, as Dave closed out our meeting today, he was saying, let's not pursue the gifts, let's pursue the giver. And that's exactly this point, to pursue the giver of the gifts. And in pursuing the gifts, that should begin in our private devotion with God. In other words, any public use of the gifts should be a spillover of our private pursuit of the Spirit in our lives. It should be a spillover of that. And so we should be people who are regularly in His Word and reading His Word and loving His Word and meditating on His Word and and praying and just, just being with God Himself. And in working with folks who are gifted prophetically for I don't remember, I don't know about twelve years now. Here's my observation: those who are most effective in the use of their gift of prophecy are those who are growing in their love for God and His Word. It's just a direct correlation between those two, and um, that's how you will grow in in the use of of your gift, to pursue God and His Word. Let me just make, make a quick point. I didn't know quite where to put this, but I want to make a comment about the work of the Spirit and the good boundaries of Scripture within which we enjoy the work of the Spirit. We can be vulnerable to set up this false dichotomy where we view Scripture as hindering our experience of the Spirit because it's too confining, when actually the opposite is true. I'm just going to give you a biblical example, all right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21. The context here is that there are false prophets in Thessalonica. And so it seems that the people in the church reacted by, okay, no more spirit stuff and no more prophecies. And Paul speaks into that and says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 19 through 21, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good. So he was bringing an apostolic adjustment to them, basically. He's like, no, we we want the Spirit, and we want prophetic words, but they must be tested. So we do not quench the Spirit by using our gifts, the gift of prophecy in this case. And we do not quench the Spirit by testing everything everything how do we test prophecies how do we test what's genuine it's by the word of god isn't it so the word of god functions in a way that that it tests our experience with the spirit because experience alone without being tested can lead us astray and ultimately then quench the spirit that's what can happen let me just say it another way scripture guards us from false teachers and false prophecies, and even false experience. So you got to get that right. All right? Second way to grow in, in the use and, and pursuit of your spiritual gifts, number two, pursue love. So there in 1 Corinthians 14, the first two words are what? Pursue love. And you might think, well, isn't that, a, isn't that a transition from 1 Corinthians 13, a whole chapter dedicated on love? Yeah, I think it is a transition, but I don't think it's only a transition statement. Here's why. We know from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, which are the gifts for what purpose? For the common good. In other words, gifts are given to serve others around us in our local church. So if you are growing in your love for people, and if you are growing in your love for God, by pursuing love in that sense, you will be effective in using your your spiritual gifts. Let me just apply that to prophecy. If you are growing in your love for people so that when you give your prophetic words, they are marked by patience and kindness and humility, those attributes of love that you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses four through seven, it will encourage and strengthen the use of that gift in your church. Because many times it's not just the content of the word that you are sharing, it's how you share it. It makes an impact upon people as they encounter God. And so you want to use your gifts in a God-loving and God-honoring way. So pursue love by pursuing love for people and love for God. Third thought, pursue faith. Pursue faith. I haven't said pursue gifts yet. Did you notice that? Pursue God, pursue love, pursue faith. Romans 12, verse 6, having having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. And the kind of faith that Paul is referencing there is marked by an anticipation, an expectation that God will use you. You want to use your gifts with that kind of faith that God will use you. Faith that trumps fear of man. Well, we can also we can all wrestle with fear of man. When well, you step out and you use your gifts, even when you think it might it might not look you might you may not look so good when you use your gifts, and that can happen, especially with the public gifts, right? The gift of prophecy, in particular. You can sit in your seat and remain there, thinking, "If I go to the mic and it sounds really bad, what are people going to think of me?" Right? And that's not that's not faith in that moment in God. And God wants to stir faith. Um, We, for several years, when the Pastors College was in Gaithersburg, Maryland, much closer to us geographically in the States to Philadelphia, we would travel down as a team and we would pray for the Pastors College students. I believe we prayed for Dave and Emma the year that that they were there. We were talking about that the other day, and there was a, a trip several years ago where we decided to drive down, uh, typically it was a Friday morning, so we decided to drive down on a Thursday night and try to avoid the nightmare of Washington, D.C. traffic on a on a Friday morning. And so on the way down on Thursday evening, Ramona, who's with me, is saying, look, Mark, I've got this picture of a guy in the uh, PC class, and he's wearing a kilt, and he's got those, you know, those long, I don't know what you call those knee sock stocking type things and he's got bagpipes and he's playing bagpipes and when, he, when she said that i'm like that's great ramona <laughs> you keep praying about that word and if it's there tomorrow you know just let me know but, so i was kind of skeptical about it so we were, we're at the pc class we had, we had taught a bit we were praying for folks and i was on completely the other side of the room praying for someone out of the corner of my eye here comes ramona and the very first thought was, it's the bagpipes. I know, it's, it's the bagpipes. So she, she tugs on my sleeve and she says, Mark, do you remember that word about the guy in the kilt and the bagpipes? I'm like, yeah, I, I remember that word. She goes, it's him over there. I'm certain it's him. So I'm affected by her faith. And so we go over and we pray for this man. His name is Josh Blunt. And, and she just basically shared this word where she saw him in a kilt. Uh, Playing bagpipes in a field, just leading people in the worship of God. And that God, after he graduated, would be a man who would regularly lead worship in his church. So we get done, and I said to Josh, I said, Does that make any sense to you? He said, It makes total sense to me. I have a kilt, I have those socks. I have bagpipes, and just last week, I led the procession of sixth graders here at Covenant Life School in worship as I played the bagpipes down the hall. And this is a man who now regularly leads worship at Living Faith Church in Franklin, West Virginia. So my faith wasn't there, but Ramona's faith was there. It was a faith to step out and to follow God. We must have that kind of faith that expects great things of God and to step out in faith. Now, let me, let me just tell you one other story here because I, I think many of you may, may be able to relate to this to some degree. We This was several years ago. Jill and I, I was not in ministry yet. Jill and I were attending a small group leaders conference in Gaithersburg, Maryland. We were leading a small group and there was probably, I don't know, twelve, thirteen, fifteen hundred 1500 people there. And uh, we're way in the back, and I'm just singing to the Lord, just enjoying singing, and I feel like this prophetic impression comes. And part of my attitude was like, I just want to sing. I don't, I don't want this right now. And so I'm, I'm wrestling with this word. Is this, is this the Lord or is this me? We'll get to that t- tonight. And then I'm looking at this size of crowd, which I've never share a prophetic word in a group that big. And I'm like, what if, what if I just go up there? And what if it just really bombs? And I'm just wrestling through all of this. So at some point, I'm, I'm just praying. And I just turn to Jill. I'm thinking maybe Jill could help me. So I explain to Jill my dilemma. And Jill looks over at me and she says, what's your problem? <laughs> Which is another way that Jill serves me. So at that point, my manhood's on the line. I've got i gotta go up. I mean, if nothing else, right? It wasn't faith working at that point. It was mostly just pride. So I'm walking up to the I'm walking up to the mic and I'm just praying all the way up, choose someone else, choose someone else, choose someone else. And I get up there and there's a there's a man to mic, Bill Patton. He doesn't speak to me at all. I I, I he sees me come He. Points me, And so I go over and I, I whisper in his word. He goes like this and he just points back. So I just, I just walked over here like this and point back. And, and so then the, the music stopped and he pointed at me and they pointed at the mic. We, we didn't talk at all. So I went to the mic and <laughs> I, just shared, I just shared the word. I don't know if it was any good or not. I don't know if it edified people. And I made my way back to my seat. I, I say that because we can all still wrestle with that. We can wrestle with fear, and we want faith that trumps that fear. And so we have to pray for faith. We have to ask God to give us faith, and so pursue faith. Okay, third, pursue opportunities. Pursue opportunities. And let me just give you some some opportunities I'm thinking about. First of all, pursue opportunities in your home. To use your gifts, all of your gifts in your home. Don't, don't just limit the gifts to your Sunday gathering or maybe your gospel community or when you gather in a, in a small prayer group. Use your gifts at home. I could tell you stories. We could tell you stories that we have in our homes of sharing prophetic words with, with our children. Again, our, our use of the gifts should publicly should be an overflow of what's happening privately and even within the context of our home. And then use your gifts in small group meetings and in prayer meetings and when you're just together. And I was, I was speaking to uh, someone earlier today. Um, they, they, they just said, I get prophetic words for people I don't even know at times or people at work. What do I do with that? And I said, well, talk to Rick Orlando. Because that, that happens to Rick all the time. I, I won't take time now, but I could tell you several stories that Rick has sent me where, where Rick comes up to them and he goes, look, you don't know me? But I'm a Christian, and I just believe the Lord wants me to share this word with you. And he shares it with them. And many times he's had opportunities to share the gospel with them, or it might lead to a conversation where he prays for healing. So that can happen. That requires faith to do that. And Rick has that kind of faith. Those are, those are just some of the opportunities to think about. Okay, here's some brief thoughts on just getting started. So there's some some ways to pursue the gifts. Some thoughts on getting started. First of all, pray. You keep hearing me mention prayer um, that's not obligatory. That is desperate prayer. That's what I mean by that. Pray throughout the week. Pray before you go to small group or your gospel community. Pray before the Sunday meeting. Pray when you're just hanging out together. That might happen here before you leave. You're just hanging out and pray. Someone or The Lord may give you a word from someone there in the group. Number two, step out in faith. Step out and share. Your, your word that you're going to share, it doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be long. It, it doesn't have to be all figured out. That's okay. Just share it. And by the way, this could be a question tonight. I just decided to put this here. What's the difference between the gift of prophecy and the gift of exhortation? Because those things can sound similar. I mean, don't they both encourage? Yes, they They can. The gift of exhortation is, is mentioned there in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, where it talks about uh, the, the gift of exhortation. Let me just read you that verse real quick. Romans 12, verse 6 says, uh, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, verse 7, sorry, if, if service to our, to our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, verse 8, the one who exhorts, in his exhortation. So, what is it? What's the gift of exhortation? How's that different than the gift of prophecy? Well, one of the things that's just helpful is just to try to exegete what's happening here, right? So that chapter begins with, "I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice." You know that verse, and the therefore in verse one is important because basically, what as you know, what Paul's done in Romans is he's laid out the gospel in a theologically rich, glorious way. And now he's transitioning the application of that gospel to our lives. And he's saying, now live out that gospel. L- apply it to your life. And so the to—the gift of exhortation has to be understand, understood in light of that exegesis there in Romans chapter 12. So I would define uh, the gift of exhortation this way. It's the spirit-empowered ability to encourage people to live out the truth of the gospel in their lives. That's how we define it. So someone comes up on a Sunday morning and they share. Maybe you bring, the Lord's given you a verse, and you share that verse and that's all that you share. Is that a prophetic word? Probably not. Probably is the, the gift of exhortation. It's a good thing. It's The gifts are being used And in churches where you want to grow in the gifts, I would just encourage that kind of thing. But I I wouldn't necessarily, I'd have to hear it, I wouldn't necessarily call it the gift of prophecy. But I would say, boy, that was a great exhortation. Because even reading that verse can help us to grow in terms of living out the truth of the gospel in our lives. Whereas the gift of prophecy is the, 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 the human report of a divine revelation that has a little bit more of a spontaneous sort of element to it. And, and a revelation that comes from the Spirit that you're reporting sometimes in the moment and sometimes before. So we can talk a little bit more about that in the Q&A, but those are, that's a quick difference between those two. And then third way, so I talk about thoughts on getting started, pray, step out on faith. I would encourage you as you use any of your gifts to get input from others. I have benefited so much in growing in the gifts by helping others help me to grow. And so go and ask questions. If you share a word in a group, ask your your gospel community group leader. Or ask if you share on a Sunday morning, go go to your pastor and say, do you have any thoughts on that? Could I have shared it better? And they're going to give you some very, very helpful thoughts. Okay, here's some thoughts on just giving prophetic words. I'm going to narrow this now to to giving prophetic words. Uh, First of all, remember God's purpose of this gift, which is edification. So ask yourself the question, does this word have the potential to edify or to build up or to console? Ask God that first. Number two, ask God if he wants you to share the word. Don't assume that because you have it, you're supposed to go share it. But just ask God, submit that to God in prayer. Should I, should I go up and tell um, one of the pastors at the mic about the word that I have? Number three, don't presume to know the interpretation and application. So be, cons- be content to do this. Be content to share your prophetic impression and then leave it to the person to pray and to seek godly counsel and to discern its validity. You're not responsible to interpret things for them. The most important thing that you can do is share your impression and then connect that person with God and let them engage God over what you shared with them. Number four, share your prophetic word with humility. Uh, deliver your word with strength, and with boldness, and with, and with courage, but also deliver it with Christ-like humility. And as I mentioned this morning, allow mistakes, if you do make them, to cultivate humility. H- humility, again, is important because it, it really affects the way that you deliver a prophetic word. And again, the, the content of the word is very important, but also how you deliver prophetic, deliver prophetic words is very important as well. Because it helps people engage God. It, if, if you're just humble and loving, it removes this sort of hyper-spirituality aspect, right, to the, to the use of the gifts, which is not what these gifts are about. They're a normal expression of the Spirit's work, and so it should seem somewhat, somewhat normal in that regard. And you want to honor Christ in doing so, so share with Christ-like humility. I often get um, questions about this. this is is sort of my fifth thought here. Share prophetic words. How do, how do I share prophetic words that seem more corrective in nature? Can I even have a prophetic word that is more corrective? Are they just all happy words? You know, are they, do they all just encourage and build up? And I, I do think that you've, that words can be somewhat corrective at times. The prophetic words can come as a warning or corrective. If you keep in view the redemptive nature of the words, So if the redemptive nature of the word is to awaken someone to maybe um, sin in their life or awaken someone to to, to wrong thoughts about God, God wants to use that redemptively to, to change them. And we've seen over and over again that the Lord would use people that way. What's very important with those kind of words is how you deliver them. You want to share them carefully and graciously and compassionately. And with gentleness, just some obvious things. Don't prophesy to those you're angry with. Just a good thought, right? Yeah, or jealous of, or in conflict with. Not a good time for you to be sharing prophetic word. All right. Never, never trust your impressions for people who are sinning against you. It's another way to say it, right? Don't do that. Allow the Lord to use someone else, but they can be used. We, we as a team traveled last year to Akron, Ohio. And when we were there, we, we, had a, we did a, basically this. And there was a man by the name of Ken Coletti who was on our prophecy team, wasn't able to come with us here. And he came to me with a word where he was just basically saying, I see a married couple who is really going through a marriage crisis, and it's gotten worse, and they've had conversation, and even divorce is now laid on the table. So I, he wanted to know if he was supposed to share that. So I'm very careful with a word like that. Uh, I want to key off the the local pastor, so I went to Jace Hudson, and I said, Jace, this is a word that I think you've got to decide whether it's shared or not. So uh, Ken shared it with Jace, and Jace said, yeah, I I want that word shared. And so Ken delivered basically what I just explained to you. He He did it gently and compassionately and lovingly. And then we just prayed out of that. We didn't ask anybody to identify themselves. We just prayed out of that. And so then we just began to pray for people, and he had an opportunity to pray for this couple. And as he began to pray for them, they said, by the way, that was us. Uh, our marriage is really in bad shape. And even the last week weeks, we have talked about divorce. And so the Lord was speaking to us through you. And no one really in the church knew about it. And uh, so th- this impacted them so much that the following week after we left, they asked the pastors if they could share that with the church. So they went before the entire church and they just said, we haven't been telling you about this, but our marriage is in a really bad place. And we've talked about divorce and that prophetic word, it, it awakened us. And we wanted you to know because we wanted you to know that God was at work. And number two, we just want your help. We need the church's help. Isn't that redemptive in nature? So that's the, kind of, that's the kind of sort of corrective word that can have that redemptive effect. Okay, so just a sixth thought here. Avoid using say it, thus saith the Lord language. All right? <laughs> Don't do that. That's reserved for those Old Testament prophets. It's not for <laughs> us today. So I often get the question, should, can I share words in first-person language, or should they be second or third-person? I think that's up to your pastors. I think that um, all are allowable. We tend to use first-person language, if you listen to us while well, we've been here, but we call it a qualified first-person, meaning that we would say something I believe the Lord would say, or I think the Lord is saying. So there's, a, there's that qualifier there that we could, we could be wrong. This is what we believe or this is what we think. But I think it's also fine. There's other Sovereign Grace churches that don't use first person. They use second or third person. I think that works as well. So I'll let Dave sort of lead you in in thoughts regarding regarding that. All right, last last just uh, thought here before we move to Q&A. We sort of wrote down these what we're calling core distinctives that we wanted to define our prophetic ministry at Covenant Fellowship Church. We have four of them. The first is theologically informed prophetic ministry. In other words, we want to recognize right from the beginning, this is the authority right here, and that any prophetic ministry flows from the Word of God and is not independent of the Word of God. It's dependent upon the Word of God. The the second distinctive is gospel-centered prophetic ministry. Now, that doesn't mean that every word has to, every prophetic word has to have the word gospel or cross or Jesus in it. Doesn't mean that we're looking more at um, the, the biblical view, the, 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 the redemptive history of the gospel itself that plays out from, from Genesis to Revelation. But we do, want, we do want people to be connected to the gospel somehow. Third, church based prophetic ministry. And that's really a a response to maybe the Pentecostal world where you can have these traveling prophets that move around. In fact, somebody at lunch was asking me sometime today, like, do you you guys travel a lot? Not a lot. We do some. And that's kind of intentional. We only do it by invitation because we don't want to be seen as traveling prophets. We're simply members of a local church who are coming to serve a local church. And so that ministry springs from the local church. So church-based prophetic ministry and number four, governed prophetic ministry govern which is we we looked at earlier in first corinthians 14 when we use this public gift we want to use it in a way that we submit it to the governance of the elders so those are some thoughts just uh, real quick and let's maybe we can move to Q and A, dave now um i'm mostly going to have the folks who came with me answer the questions and if they're hard questions i'm definitely going to have them answer the the hard questions so you can lead us through that dave and um well, would you like to, what would you like our folks to do? You can come up. Okay, you guys come up.